Today's scripture reading is Matthew 5, 13 through 20. You're the salt of the earth, but if the salt becomes tasteless, how is it going to get salty again? It's no good for anything. You might as well throw it out and walk all over it. You're the light of the world. A city can't be hidden if it's on top of a hill. People don't light a lamp and put it under a bucket. They put it on a lampstand. Then it gives light to everybody in the house. That's how you must shine your light in front of people. Then they will see what wonderful things you do, and they'll give glory to your Father in heaven. Don't suppose that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I didn't come to destroy them. I came to, to, to fulfill them. I'm telling you the truth. Until heaven and earth disappear, not one stroke, not one dot is going to disappear from the law until it's all come true. So anyone who relaxes a single on one of these commandments, even the little ones, and teaches that to people will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Yes, let me tell you, unless your covenant behavior is far superior to that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Micah. I'm glad it was you this morning. Good morning, everybody. Uh, by show of hands, uh, who, as they're reading through this, just feels like this is a hard word. It's a hard text. It ends kind of tough, right? Uh, some context around it would be to say, uh, well, first of all, I'm just so excited to be here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a friend of mine taught me a new phrase this week, and he's now my uh, new best friend, but he goes, boom! Um, So the, the, uh, the context of our passage this morning is 2,000 years ago, first century, uh, Israel-Palestine. Who is the ruler of the day? Rome. And they're everywhere. All of their henchmen are everywhere. Uh, there's armed guards walking through the streets. And here's Jesus... Uh, where is he right now in, in Matthew 5? Uh, what is he doing? Yeah, Sermon on the Mount. And so last week, we, uh, Steve brought us into this beautiful picture of Jesus saw the crowds and saw the throngs gathering towards him. And so instead of moving towards that, he withdrew with his disciples, the people that he uh, held the closest. And so these words are for them. Um, the reality that this conversation is happening in is in captivity. Everybody in this conversation is living an oppressed lifestyle. Everybody in this conversation has a hope of paradise, has a hope of redemption. Because everyone in this conversation feels like they're not there yet. And boy, if I, if I can't identify with that, right? If we can't identify with that. There's global conversations happening right now in first century um, in Matthew 5 uh, about what is the right way to approach your neighbor? What does God feel about the other? Um, how do we bring the kingdom of God? What will the Messiah actually look like? 
And so we can see that they're conflicted, right? There's a lot of tension in the conversation with Jesus and the disciples, as maybe during their conversation, here comes uh, the Roman centurion with his guard. The ever-present view and idea of violence, discrimination, of hate. It was everywhere. And so I think what I would like to do is, how are we today? How do you feel? What are you bringing into the room this morning? And here at Genesis, we do all plays. And all plays, we like it because we believe the is better than the. And so uh, we are a body. We are a unified community. We are the physical representation of Jesus in the world. How are we today? Good. What else are we feeling? Confliction. Anxiety. Huh? Tension. We haven't gone very far in 2,000 years. What else? Hopeful. Thank you. Hope is in the room. What else? Joyful. Tired. Tired. Amen, sister. <laughs> Anticipation. Anticipation. Uh, if you could take your, your heart's eye off of these things for a moment right now and move it on to Jesus, no wrong answers, who is Jesus to you right now? When you think of the name of Jesus and the personhood of Jesus, what do you think of? Hmm? Refuge. I love that. Savior, best friend. Protector, compassion. Who said compassion? Boom! That's him! It figures. I love you, Greg. Um, regardless of what we think, how, how do we know Jesus is portraying who he is? What is he doing? How is he spending his life? It's up to us? Say more. Ooh. If we as believers aren't doing our part, the world feels Jesus is distant. He's knocking on our doors. In this passage, and in the three years of his ministry, what do we see him doing also? Loving. How? Serving others. Hmm? Being with the people. Teaching. Challenging. And so he's doing these things, teaching, loving people, being with the people, knocking on the doors of every heart that is willing to see him for who he is and every heart that's willing to not see him. But he's doing it in the same context that we live in right now. And so I, I, I love this passage. This passage, Matthew 5, is, it's gorgeous. It's salt. It's light. Uh, okay, 
Salt is pretty amazing. If you've never studied salt, man, buckle in, right? <laughs> what do we know about salt? Salt has a long history. It's used for so many things. Uh, real quick, what are, what are some things you know about salt? It preserves. How so? Do we know? Does it matter if we know how it preserves? In the back. Preserving. Stop it. Are you serious? What's your name? Mandy, thank you. Mandy. Okay, so she said if you didn't hear in the Middle Ages used instead of a refrigerator, right? Down here? It purifies. Thank you, George. There it is, right? It does all these cool scientific things, and it does, but the truth is it just tastes good. Let's try it sometime. Especially what? Especially bad food. Let's take the offering and go home. So it's both a cultural thing and a scientific thing. It's both a taste and an actual uh, element that works with other elements, right? Um, salt was also, have you heard um, the, the salt of someone? Uh, he's, worth their, he's, he's worth his salt, his weight in salt, right? Um, also, in, in, in the Jewish tradition, there are two kinds of offerings specifically that I'm thinking of. One is a sin offering. And that's when we're coming back to God and we are reorienting our lives towards God. There's another offering called a, um, uh, uh, a grain offering or, or a gift offering. And this offering is only given out of love to God. And this offering is, is of grain. And it's when the, you are they're celebrating. Or it's when you are giving something out of the abundance of what you have. And guess what you put on it to make the offering taste good? Salt. So there's so much there, right? There's so much there. Imagine giving a gift that rots before it's used, and even though the gift is received, it leaves a bad taste. Is that the kind of gift you want to receive? And is that the kind of gift that we want to give? Will anybody want that gift that rots before you can use it? And if you do use it, it's bad. Um, light. Light's amazing. What can we find out about light? Uh, you are the light of the world. A city can't be hidden if it's on top of the hill. People don't light a lamp and put it under a bucket, they put it on a lampstand. Then it gives light to everybody in the house. That's how you must shine your light in front of people. Then they will see what wonderful things you do, and they'll give glory to your Father in heaven. What is light? Thank you. What else? Who is light? God. Yeah. Yeah. 
we are in Christ, absolutely. I would just like to say, I, I, I know you guys are strong people. This is Neil and Kathy Galswick. Would you just wave? Everybody say, hi, Neil. Hi, Kathy. Uh, man, I wouldn't be here without these two. Uh, absolutely. That's a firm. If you want to see the proof of how good God is, look at these two. And uh, my heart is overflowing with joy and, and gratefulness that you're here. Also, Kathy was in the car when Berlin was born. Yes, my second daughter was born in a car. <laughs> so thank you for Berlin. <laughs> Is there any discrimination in the light of God? Where does the light shine? Is there any shade or turning in the light of God? So it's falling on both the good and the evil at the same time. We are called to be salt. We are called to be light. When do we decide to shudder that? When can we decide to say, here but not here. When has God asked us to make that differentiation? Hmm. What else do we see in light? What else do you see about light that I haven't said yet? What did light make you think of when you heard it in the passage? You are the light of the world. What is that? It can be seen easily. It reveals Shows the truth. Right. Shows the way. It's really bright. Oh, travels far fast. Light speed. Thank you, Matt. Will you say what you said again? Can anything grow without light? So if something isn't growing, maybe the first thing to check is, does it have light? Not, is it broken? Not, is it dead? Not, is it worthless? Not, does God hate it? But just, does it, does it have light? Where else do we see light? Okay, so welcome to Genesis. Is that what, who said Genesis? Charlie, I love you. There's a, this room is full of people that I, w- I wouldn't be here unless they loved me. Charlie, wh- what did you mean by Genesis? Okay, okay. So the Hebrew word for light uh, is or, and darkness is hoshach. How'd I do, Noah? It's, I, got, I got one of these. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, this, is, this is Genesis, this is the very beginning, and here comes light, and here comes dark. Um, where does the light come from? Within the darkness. So when God creates, what's there is darkness. What's there is this chaotic mix, like Heidi was talking about, which I mean, the worship this morning. Ugh. But that's what this is, is this, is this boiling cauldron. It's, it's, it's also first century Israel-Palestine, is this, this, this boiling angriness of, and it's also 2017, this mixture of 
polar opposites. This is the darkness of, of what it means to be human right now, this conflict. Where's the light going to come from? That, right out of it. Right out of it. Where else do we see light in Scripture? Absolutely. Knocks him, knocks him down. On the table. Like on a lamp? Yeah. Love that. Transfiguration. Huge light. Stephen's face. As he's being stoned, right? Yeah. Preaching. Yeah, sharing the good news. Mm-hmm. Thank you. When, when we're looking to see the nature of something, we go backwards. And in the ninth plague, there was darkness that came all over Egypt. And nobody could see. Uh, scripture says of the Egyptians, they saw not one another. Can you sense that in our country? Can you sense that in the world? We're... They saw not one another, neither rose any from his place for three days, but all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. Now, let me ask you a question. If it's dark, some, let me ask a question. <laughs> That's all I've been doing. Um, if it's dark somewhere where you are, and you look across the street and your neighbor has a light, what are you going to do? You're going to be drawn to it, right. But we're not, we're not reading of any... Uh, movement of the Egyptians to the Israelites' houses. So it's talking about a light that is inside that allows you to see the other person. They saw each other. They understood each other. They made place for the other. And the light was in them. Uh, moving on, okay. Matthew 5, don't suppose that I've come to destroy the law or the prophets. I didn't come to destroy them. I came to fulfill them. I'm telling you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not one stroke, not one dot is going to disappear from the law until it's all come true. So anyone who relaxes a single one of these commandments, even the little ones, and teaches that to people, will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. The law and the prophets are such a beautiful, uh, wonderful um, reality picture, uh, but how many of you grew up with this idea of being afraid of the prophet? I grew up being afraid of the prophet. I grew up thinking that the prophets are only around when there's punishment needed. Anybody else with me? But the heart of the prophet is, is, is please see how good God is. The heart of the prophet is to say, Boy, if you think God is out to get you, if you think that there's some reason that you can't come back, you're wrong, because guess what? There's always been a way back to the garden. That's the heart of the prophet. I would like to go to Isaiah 58, uh, which is one of our lectionary passages, uh, and, and camp there for a minute, um, because Isaiah is, is, is kind of Jesus' home base. Uh, Jesus means salvation of God. Guess what Isaiah means? Isaiah 
Yeah, salvation of the Lord. Which, uh, coincidentally, guess what Joshua means, who led the, the children of Israel into the promised land. It's also salvation. And so Isaiah is kind of Jesus' home book, where uh, 61, Isaiah 61 is where Jesus reads when he's starting his ministry, I've come to, to loose uh, those who are bound and free the captives. This is my mission in the world. And also, he's, he's riffing off of Isaiah 58 in the Sermon on the Mount as well. But I've, 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 you know, confession have always read Isaiah as, you better turn with a wagging finger. And instead it says, please come back. Please hear that God's heart is soft. Please hear that God's heart is for you. And, and, and please hear that the dreams and the hopes that have been placed inside of you, there is a place for, the, for that. There is a place for who you are and what you are good at to absolutely bless the world, the entire world. So Isaiah 58, it starts with this picture of the people of God and what they're doing. And I think we're gonna, we're, I hope you see that they're actually working really hard. How many of you feel like you work really hard in what you believe, and, and sometimes it just doesn't make sense that it, 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 sometimes you can't hear from God. So here's Isaiah 58, shout, a full-throated shout, hold nothing back, a trumpet blast shout, and the trumpet here is referring to a shofar, which is the ram's horn, if you've seen that, and that's used to call the people together. There's something very important to hear. So listen, there's something very important here to listen to. God says, tell my people what's wrong with their lives, and face my family, Jacob, with their sins. They're busy, busy, busy at worship. And they love studying all about me. To all appearances, they're a nation of right-living people, law-abiding, God-honoring. They ask me, what's the right thing to do? And they love having me on their side. They also complain, why do we fast and you don't look our way? Why do we humble ourselves and you don't even notice? If I could tell you the times I have prayed this prayer, God, I am doing everything for you. Where are you? Here's why. You serve your own interests on your fast day, and you oppress your workers. You fast, but at the same time, you bicker and fight amongst yourselves. You fast, but you swing a mean fist the whole day you're fasting. The kind of fasting you do won't get your prayers off the ground. Do you think that's the fast I'm looking for, asked God? Is that what I'm asking you to do? This is the kind of fast day I'm after, to loose the bonds of injustice, to get rid of exploitation in the workplace, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke. What I'm interested in seeing you do is sharing your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless poor into your homes, and putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad, being available to your own families. So what God is doing is, 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 is comparing two different kinds of fasts. The first kind of fast, how would you describe that kind of fast? Self-denial. Self White-knuckling White it. I'm going to get through it. What's that? Average. What else? Selfish. Is there anything you want to add to that? Yeah, doing it for me, doing it for the wrong reasons. 
vary, right? You could do this kind of fast all by yourself. You don't need anybody else, right? Um, when I used to fast uh, uh, in the old days <laughs> this way, uh, I thought it was best that nobody knew. So nobody knew when I was fasting. And I was just, I was all alone. So when I was fasting, I was even more alone than when I wasn't. What's the second kind of fast? How would you describe that? Community, people, need someone to serve. Yeah, giving up part of me. How is that a fast? God is saying you're so excited. Thank you, Joe. God is saying you're so excited about God, about me, that you're going to take it on yourself to find me. And you're going to take it on yourself to do all the right things so that you'll receive the blessing that it is you think you want. As if we know what we need, right? And God is saying, boom, thank you. God is saying if you fast from even that idea, that, that And if we take ourselves off the top, out of the middle, and put the other in there, what we'll find is everything we've ever wanted, everything we've ever needed. Listen, uh, do this, God says. This very next verse. So the, the preceding is, this is what I'm interested in seeing you do. Sharing, inviting, putting clothes on, being available. Do this. And your light will spring forth like the morning. Which morning? The first morning and now, this morning. And your lives will turn around at once. Your righteousness will pave your way. The God of glory will secure your passage. Then when you pray, God will answer. You'll call out for help and God will say, here I am. If you get rid of unfair practices, quit blaming victims, quit gossiping about other people's sins, if you are generous with the hungry and start giving yourselves to the down and out, your lives will begin to glow in the darkness. Your shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight. I will always show you where to go. I'll give you a full life in the emptiest places. Firm muscles, I'll make your bones strong. You'll be like a well-watered garden. A gurgling spring that never runs dry. And you will use the old rubble of past lives to build anew, rebuild the foundations from out of your past. Uh, I totally didn't start a timer, so I have no idea what time it is. I'm just really enjoying being with you all. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, 
I'll say this. I would love to encourage you. My heart is, is, is for us as a community. I'm 100% in it with you. I, I have no idea how to run my own life. I need every single one of you to be in it with me. Let's be salt together. Let's decide what we're going to give back to God, and let's make it taste good. Let's spend some time in creativity together. Let's spend some time in the kitchen going, what kind of spices are we going to use? How can we spend time on what we're making together? And then let's give it away. Like light, let's let it shine. And let's not decide who gets it. Let's not decide who is going to receive our light and who is not. Let's just give it away. Because guess what? As soon as we give it away, we get more. We will never run out. And, 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 and my last question is this, and it's one that I'd like us to sit with as we move towards silence. Um, before I do that, I also want to say this about our community. It is beautiful that we stay in it together. Just so you know, I see us on the spectrum. We are everywhere in this community. We have all the beliefs here in this room. We have all the viewpoints here in this room. How good is God, right? That's a blessing. And as we see each other day to day and as we see each other through the weekends, big hugs and hold it close. We don't know how it's going to work out. What we do know is that love will make the way. Our righteousness will go before us and it will be a straight path together. I love you and thank you for for. for churching together with me. Here's my question. If Jesus would have asked, what does carrying my cross do for me? What would he have done? When I ask myself, what does carrying my cross, what, what, what is, the, is the sacrifice? And, and again, the sacrifice being this, not this for sin offering. We have life, life abundantly, and it's available to us. The sacrifice now is, is what are we gonna make together and give away? What are we gonna salt to make it taste good? So that's the cross. The cross is something beautiful that we get to hold and give and hold and give. And when I ask myself, though, what does carrying my cross do for me? I don't want to do it. And so I don't. I can go days, weeks without even realizing I'm, I'm, I'm not living out what I believe at all. But it's, it's when Jesus asks, what does carrying my cross do for you? And is that worth it? And am I willing to do that? knowing that love will, 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 will bring us back from any death. Love will bring us back from anything. Father, thank you for being so good to us. Thank you that your heart towards us is soft, that you are good, that you love us, that your prophets were sent, your law was, was given, not because you, you don't like us, but because you do. In fact, you love us. In fact, you, you, you think of us. You watch us, you ponder us. You are with us all the time. You're beautiful. Help us to receive that. Help us to choose that story. Help us to see that you have been salt to us. You have been light for us. Amen.